Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. Today I'd like to welcome our guest, Dr. Naisha Winters, who's a naturopathic doctor and also a medical advisor to the LDN Research Trust. And today she's going to share with us her experience of LDN and mistletoe for cancer. Thank you for joining us today, Naisha. Oh, it's lovely to be here always, Linda. It's good to see you and to be among the LDN tribe. Wonderful. So if you can tell us how you go about implementing LDN and cancer, mistletoe into cancer therapy, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And just a little bit of context. Um, a lot of people, if they know of mistletoe, they think about it as sort of the Christmas kissing plant. Um, and yet this is a medicine in the integrative oncology world that's been around for just over 100 years. It celebrated its 100th birthday in 2020. And this is a, a plant that grows as a, a semi-parasitic plant that looks like a Ball. When you look into trees, there's thousands of species around the world. The species that is most central to the world of oncology that has the particular chemical constituents that seems to be best suited for the cancer patient is in the sort of black forest region of the world. You see this in areas in Austria, Switzerland, Germany, and France for the most part where these um, particular uh species of mistletoe have the most lectin content that have the anti-cancer effects. And we've known this therapy to have a, you know, there's something called the do doctrine of signatures, which is where you look at a plant and you sort of can guess maybe what it can do for us based on how it looks. And when you look at a mistletree, a mistletoe growing in a tree, it often looks like a tumor. And so folks like Dr. Ita Wegman and the philosopher Rudolf Steiner back in the 19, um, like 1917 to 1920, in their observations, somehow thought that this might be a very powerful treatment for cancer. And interestingly enough, they started to take extracts from the leaves as well as the berries, the white berries. This is the viscum album extract of mistletoe. And they would macerate them and swirl them and use either a fermenting process or just an aqueous process to make it into a, a medicine that they could be injected into the subcutaneous tissue, right into the tumor itself, right into um, body cavities where there may be fluid like ascites. And they started to see um, amazing responses to the patient dealing with cancer. We now have 100 years plus of research. We have over 150 what we call really good studies on mistletoe. We kind of consider mistletoe one of our earliest immune therapies with regards to cancer. And now, of course, immune therapies are all the rage in cancer. And what's very fascinating is that um, it, it's, it's probably the most studied integrative oncology treatment there is. Now, it's best used as an injection because of its medical constituents. It breaks up too easily in the digestive tract. And because of its constituents, it, it can be incredibly toxic into the digestive tract, just like a lot of our anti-cancer agents are. So, for instance, we make you know, like the Pacific yew tree is what makes Taxol. And if you take in too much Pacific yew, 
it can kill you because it's such a toxic plant or may apple, which is part of a lot of other chemotherapeutics. So a lot of natural products have turned into chemotherapies and in their whole forms can be very toxic. But this a particular uh, creation of mistletoe makes it very suited to an injectable in very um, low, low doses that create an immune response in the body and a more of an immune modulating response. That's where the bridge starts to look very similar to how it plays well with low-dose naltrexone. We often think of low-dose naltrexone as an immune modulator, not an immune stimulator or an immunosuppressant. We look at it as sort of the teeter-totter that sits right in the center of the teeter-totter and helps keep it balanced. And what I have learned over my years of both prescribing individually mistletoe since about 2003 in clinical practice for at this point upwards of tens of thousands of patients worldwide and an even at this point I think I've educated over 350 physicians on the application of mistletoe worldwide um, and have trained with experts all over the world and lectured um, on mistletoe all over the world to know that when I started using low-dose naltrexone in the mid to late 90s, I saw some really beautiful common denominators as far as how they behave on the immune system of our patients and how they help our quality of life in on oncology patients. But what I started to learn later is how they are really good friends. These two therapies work very well together. And so if I have a patient who's been on low-dose naltrexone and they're dealing with cancer and suddenly their cancer is maybe picking up momentum or it's mutated and it's not responding to whatever therapy the patient is on, I will often add mistletoe into the mix to sort of potentize the response. And it often resets the course. The same goes for patients who I might have initially started on mistletoe where suddenly maybe their physical... Um, response to the treatment, we want to get a little local red reaction at the injection site. We want to get a little bit of a fever response um, if they're doing IV or intraperitoneal or bladder infusions of mistletoe, etc. And if that has sort of stopped reacting or responding, low-dose naltrexone added into the mix seems to potentiate the mistletoe response all over again. So they tend to be very synergistic, but they also tend to potentiate one another in a very powerful way. So a lot of integrative oncology experts, you will see that they use both of these either individually or pulse them at different times or introduce them at different times. But many of us will introduce them together for the biggest punch if that makes sense. And so it's just been an incredible journey of kind of playing with missiles or excuse me, low-dose naltrexone since the mid to late teen, you know, late 1990s, even had the opportunity to meet Dr. Bihar and I worked in HIV and AIDS in that time. That's where missile, or excuse me, where low-dose naltrexone was first introduced to me. And then fast forward a few years in 2003, I had a patient bring this little box of these little ampules that she got in Germany. Um, it was Iskador, another uh, brand of mistletoe. And she's like, I need you to learn how to do this for me. Um, I was very resistant to it because I was, you know, like I didn't know anything about it. It was not in my jurisdiction to practice in this way. But she basically said, I'm going to do it on my own or with, you, you know, or with your help. So I taught myself and I started learning from others. And so I feel like these two medicines are 
the most important tools I have in my toolbox out of diet and mental emotional care for the cancer patient to impact the biggest change and the biggest outcomes in patient experience with cancer and better response to their conventional cancer treatments, less toxicity, and more robust maintenance of remission or making the cancer a more manageable disease process. And so I just think it's such a a powerful time to be talking about um, sort of how low-dose naltrexone plays so well with other medicines and mistletoe is probably what most of us would consider um, that these two are best friends and that they play very, very well with each other. Yeah. Okay. So when I, yeah. And then just a fun thing, a fun fact that's coming up in September of 2021, we have a book on mistletoe coming out. It's written by seven experts. I'm one of them, uh, one of the authors on this book from all over the world, from hematological oncologists to anthroposophical physicians to naturopathic doctors to integrative oncologists. Even the foreword is written by um, the head of solid tumor oncology from Memorial Sloan Kettering. Um, And our afterword is written by a woman who was trained initially as a nurse and then moved into naturopathic medicine and then into functional medicine. And then she herself became a cancer patient in the last couple of years. And so she really rounds out our book of both being a a practitioner from standard of care, moving into integrative care, and then moving into the role of being a patient and utilizing mistletoe and other therapies to really change outcomes. And our book, it's called Mistletoe and the Emergence of Integrative Oncology. And we spend um, in chapter nine, which I'm the author of, I spend a fair amount of time talking about the combination with low-dose naltrexone. So that gets a nice shout out in there as well, Linda, on the low-dose naltrexone world, um, especially as it interacts with the mistletoe plant. Mm-hmm. And how long does it take before a patient notices that the mistletoe is working for them? That's a great question. You know, I've had the experience with many patients where they notice on the very first injection. And the the biggest studies of mistletoe's sort of positive outcomes are that of a quality of life, a a subjective as well as objective data of quality of life. We see that patients, um, like their, their color improves, their stamina improves, their fatigue improves on this. So just think about the cancer journey of how overwhelming depleting it can be this is a medicine that really pops up their quality of life to sort of face the journey you know head on Um, we know that we also can see qualitatively on the labs within a few weeks that it impacts the bone marrow so it stimulates white blood cell formation it stimulates red blood cells it stimulates um, you know a lot of the marrow that gets so depleted by a lot of these cytotoxic therapy, such as chemotherapy and radiation, and it has no contraindications with those medications. Similar to low-dose naltrexone, it has very few, if any, contraindications unless a patient, you know, like low-dose naltrexone, we want to be careful with the opiate, you know, interactions. But similar, um, these two medicines seem to 
play well with other pharmaceuticals and even enhance um, and support side effects and enhance outcomes. So we see a very similar profile here. And a lot of patients will descri describe that it also enhances their sleep and that it lowers their pain threshold. And we know it does these things by lowering things like inflammatory you know, processes. So cytokines come down, C-reactive protein lowers, things that create angiogenesis or new blood vessel formation to the tumor that's called vasoendothelial growth factor. We watch those numbers also drop in our labs. We can actually do a CBC and see that the patient's neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio improves, which improves prognosis of a cancer process. So it's very cool to both have a patient have a qualitative experience with the mistletoe, but also a quantitative. And in the book, we go into detail about its job is to create this warming effect. And most of our cancer patients are very, very cold. At their core, their temperatures are much lower than 98.6. Um, and the treatments themselves can make the patients quite cold. And so it we kind of create this warming effect, this fever therapy um, around the tumor itself, which is just an engaging process of the immune system. We know it stimulates natural killer cells, dendritic T cells, other um, T lymphocytes. And so it's a very powerful therapy that does not overshoot the system like many of the immune therapies that we're offering cancer patients today from the pharmaceutical world. Those drugs are well-intended, but they often overshoot their mark pretty aggressively which is also why things like low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe seem to go very well with those newer conventional treatments because it helps us not overzealously react to those pharmaceuticals. It helps stabilize the process and get the biggest bang for our buck from those drugs without causing terrible, terrible side effects that those drugs are notorious for creating. Mm-hmm. And you said that it was an injectable. How often do they have to have the mistletoe injected? They are typically, we have patients do up to three, up to three times a week, and we inject it subcutaneously, and that's at a 45-degree angle with the skin pulled taut, preferably cycling around the umbilicus, around the belly button. So maybe on Monday, you do it on the left side of the belly button. And Wednesday, you do it on the right side of the belly button. And Friday, you do it just below the belly button. And we cycle that around. You can also do it in the upper thigh or in the back of the arm. They're tiny little uh, tubercular needles or insulin needles, so they don't cause any pain or discomfort. Um, very easy to use. We even have little kids. You know, I've got kids as young as 18 months utilizing these injections with mom and dad's oh. help, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, I've even taught three-year-olds how to inject themselves. They kind of are into it, you know, when they are, are taught that age, the fear is way less than it is when <laughs> you become adults. Most of the parents are way more freaked out than the kids are about it. Um, but it's so well tolerated. And our goal is to actually see a little redness and maybe itching or a little raised area or even a little bit of a quality of feeling kind of fluish or a little feverish and even seeing maybe a, a little blip in the in the temperature on a thermometer and so we don't inject again until that has completely dissipated so we might do it as often as three times a week but if a patient is still having any of those symptoms um, desired symptoms or reactions that I described, we wait until it dissipates. So somewhere between one and three times a week is pretty standard. 
We also have the opportunity to do intravenous injections. And the trial that was just completed at Hopkins in the United States was an IV mistletoe trial for solid stage four tumors. And these patients received mistletoe three times a week intravenously with a titrating dose. We also titrate the dose with the injectable as well until the patient hits the desired reaction. Same thing with um, IV. And that can be done in a variety of ways. You can do it a couple times a week. You could do a series of maybe 10 days in a row and then wait a few months and repeat if needed. Um, It's just kind of dependent on the patient. What we tell our doctors, what we train them is that this is not a protocol. You you pair it, you pair the host tree type with the patient type. Like, is the patient a male or a female? Are they more round like an apple? Are they more tall and thin like a pine tree? Are they, you know, do they have certain constitutional patterns or tendencies in their disease condition or their personality? We actually match the plant medicine to the patient versus trying to match a patient to a pharmaceutical. And then we let the patient's response to that therapy decide how quickly or how often or how um, we, we dose and how quickly we go up in the titration of that dose. So it's very patient driven, which I also love. And that should ring true that that's a very similar pattern to low dose naltrexone, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. Because some patients can't start at 1.5. They have to start at 0.25, you know, or 0.5. Um, or some patients, you know, we say we go up to 4.5, but we have a few that need six, right? Like it's just, this is the beauty is, is um, we match low dose naltrexone. We match mistletoe to the patient in front of us. It's true precision, personalized medicine. That's not a protocol. And that can really enhance because each patient has a different threshold of what they need. So I love working with these two medicines individually and together. And the outcomes are extraordinary. I mean, rarely do you hear such positive feedback and such few side effects from any offerings we have in either standard of care or integrative medicine. Mm -hmm. So if a patient comes to you and they're newly diagnosed with cancer, would you start them first on mistletoe and then introduce the LDN or the other way around or together? How would you approach it? Well, first of all, I always do a process. My methodology is test, assess, address, don't guess. So I want to know the patient very well that's in front of me. So for me, if I have a patient that has a significant autoimmune history or a current autoimmune condition, or they're currently on an immune therapy from standard of care, I will always start them on low-dose naltrexone first. Okay, I want to stabilize the playing field. Mm-hmm. And then depending on the, uh, the sort of the aggressiveness of the cancer type, even the patients like, how are they like, you know, are they squeamish with needles? Is that going to add more stress to the to the situation, even though I know it doesn't hurt and it's not a problem? You want to meet the patient where they are as well. Then oftentimes we'll start mistletoe either right away alongside it or wait a few weeks to a few months and introduce it later depending on how the labs look and the imaging looks with the patient just on low dose naltrexone. If I have a patient that's coming to me and it's pretty much cancer is driving the car and autoimmunity either doesn't seem to exist or is very minimal or it's been way, way, way back, you know, in their history, 
that I'll often start with mistletoe therapy at that time and then kind of again follow suit. Now, I've, I've, people have heard me say this. If you've got cancer and you're going through cancer treatment, if you didn't have an autoimmune condition prior to that, you often do after. It's just the nature of the beast of the type of therapy that's so assaulting to the immune system, it can often trigger, you know, more latent and long-term autoimmunity for years to come after treatment. So for me, kind of the cleanup post-chemo, low-dose naltrexone can be incredibly helpful. And I love, I love that benefit. And then if I have patients who are dealing with recent brain, like if they've got a neurological-based cancer, so brain tumors, tumors of their spine, sarcomas in the the nervous system tissue, or even brain metastasis, I will often bring in low-dose naltrexone immediately to help lower the inflammation of the the central nervous system of the brain and the the spine, because we know that's one of its most powerful, um, you know, tissues that that it impacts. So it can be very, very helpful for a lot of our patients who are going through brain surgery or brain radiation to help them not need the steroid, to help them recover from that surgery quicker, and to help their, you know, all that brain swelling and everything come down very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, the time is up. That just went so quickly. It was just (laughs) bam, 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 bam. So the book, when is it going to be out and how are people going to be able to purchase it? Well, we are launching the website, my, um, the mistletoebook.com, all one word. So that will have a pre-order that starts the middle of July. And the book will be available, we're shooting for September 15th, but it could be as late as September 24th. So basically mid-September of 2021. So you can watch there. Steiner Books is publishing the book. Um, we just completed the, the manuscript and turning turned it into the publisher. So it's out of our hands now. We're very proud proud of it. It has a lot of excellent links, plus the the resource itself on the website will have ongoing additional links and discussions. And so you can even ask your low-dose naltrexone questions on there, as well as your mistletoe questions, because they do play well with each other. You can also learn a bit more about my approach of how I test, assess, address in my, my original book that came out in spring of 2017, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer. I do give lip service to low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe in that book as well and talk a little bit about my methodology around when or why I would choose those therapies. And then I also do just loads and loads of lectures on my website, drnasha.com, D-R-N-A-S-H-A.com. I have a ton of different, you know, interviews and podcasts and things I've done with Linda and all types of things, discussions around both low-dose naltrexone and mistletoe that you're welcome to go down some rabbit holes for some free resources and listening pleasure you know uh for for you to have to have at so those are some of the resources out there for sure for all of you oh that's fantastic i mean when you're newly diagnosed you're like a sponge you want to absorb everything leave no stone unturned you you become your own expert exactly you become the ceo you're the ceo of the board of your health (laughs) (laughs) that's right Okay. Well, thank you very much, Nasha. Really do appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. All the best. Okay. Thank you. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. 
Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.